Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to read the first six verses, and I'm going to let you be seated. The Bible says, but it came to pass that when Samballot heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heap of rubbish which are burned? And Tobiah the Ammonite was by him and said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up. Hmm. Notice what animal he chose. Something that he could relate to. Sneaky old fox. Go up. He shall even break down their stone wall. But the prayer of Nehemiah. Hear, O Lord God, for we are despised. And turn their reproach upon their own heads. And give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquities and let not their sins be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall, and all the wall, everybody say, was joined together. No, you didn't say that way. Was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. I, I, I want to preach a little bit today about Satan can't stop me. <laughs> Come on, put your hand on your chest <laughs> and say, you like that? We're getting high tech here. Ball your fist up and say, devil, you cannot. Stop me. Now, did y'all say that because I asked you to, or did you say it because you've got your mind made up? I, I wish we would do that again. Some of you have let the devil give you a name, but only God can give you a name. He wants to put a label on you, but we've come to the house of the Lord today to take the label off. And realize under the label is a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, you cannot be defeated. You've already been delivered. God has already measured out a portion for you. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise today. Come on, get out of your seat and shake your neighbor's hand and say, I'm glad you're with me in the house of the Lord. If you feel
We see in our text today that God's people are trying to build walls around the holy city, Jerusalem. You may not be aware that Ezra, the priest, many biblical scholars surmise that Ezra wrote the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah. See, you've got to really put these two books together in the portion of the book of Daniel to get complete understanding of what's going on. The Jews had fallen into idol worship. And God said, I won't tolerate being in second place. God did not make Babylon come and take them captive. God just lifted his hand of grace and mercy. And the enemy came in like a flood. I'm going to tell you the God we serve, he don't send evil on you. You just need to realize he's been protecting you from evil for a long time. And Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar took them into bondage. As you know that God moved as God always does in his time and in his way. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, was a world empire. It was the first global empire. And Nebuchadnezzar was haughty and they were building a temple and an and a image to him. And God humbled him by little Hebrew boys that gave him a revelation. And through the revelation that he was not God and what the... The Hebrew boys went through, he realized there was a one true God. For the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob walked in the midst of the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar said, I thought I was a God. But there's a God that can be in the fire and will not burn. He can put his hand on his people in the midst of the fire and the only thing that perished was the things that had them bound can I preach to somebody today even in bondage God will show up and he will reveal himself as a God well able to deliver you you don't believe that the Bible tells us there was one Joseph that his brothers resented him and sold him into bondage and he ended up in a man's house an executor in Egypt he was a slave unto Potiphar and his wife but the Bible says in the same two verses that said he's in Potiphar's house God caused him to find favor and even as a slave he rose to the top of his position I know that Potiphar's wife lied on him and landed him in prison. But Brother Randall, no matter if he was a slave, God blessed him. Even though he was in prison, the Bible says that God raised him up. Can I give you a word today? God is speaking to the church. We can't let our present circumstance be an excuse why we can't succeed. We are not victims. He was a slave. He was a prisoner and he rose to the top. Watch your excuse. You're not a prisoner for Jesus has come to set you free. I've come to preach to somebody. You're not a slave. You're a son of the living God. Our God can show up in the midst of our worst circumstance to reveal himself and set us free. 
What you talking about today, Pastor? Nebuchadnezzar had a revelation. There's a, a God, but his son, Belshazzar, was cocky and haughty. and He was having a drunken party one night. And he began to think about all the possessions in the treasury that was found in Babylon. And he says, go get me those golden vessels that were in the house of the Lord. That when my father went and brought the Jews captive, he took these golden glasses, if you will, vessels. And bring them to me. I want to drink my wine and do my thing. God will put up with a lot, but when he took something that God had made for his glory and his service, God would not allow them to be defiled. Can I stop and preach? God may lift his hand and allow the enemy to come in to get your attention, to get your priorities back in order, but God, who is rich in mercy, will not allow the enemy to come in a way and defile what God had set apart for him. Can I tell you, you can't go too far and you can't do too much as a child of God that he will allow the enemy to come in and destroy you. It is only when you invite him in. It is not in the mind of God. For you to be defiled. Now, you know that story where a man's hand appeared. But it wasn't a man's hand because a man's hand can't write without an arm or a shoulder or a torso. But God's hand can write without an arm, a shoulder, or a torso. And his soothsayers, fortune tellers couldn't interpret some of y'all need to get that psychic hotline out of your phone because they are mediums to the devil and to the dead if you want to understand what God's saying you better find somebody that's been holy unto the Lord to interpret and God's man came and read it and said this he says, God's done sized up your authority and cut your lineage off and you've been weighed in the balance and come up short. You're, you're not sufficient. God has judged you this night. And then God turned around and prophesied. You can look it up in Isaiah that there would be a king named Cyrus that came out of the Persian Empire and less than 130 years later God saw Cyrus send God's people back to the land of promise he sent resources and we pick up sometime later where, where Ezra began to rebuild the temple can I tell you something Ezra with King Zerubbabel the king of Judah the southern tribes desired to rebuild a temple in Jerusalem unto God that the Babylonians had destroyed because God's people had been rebellious and idolatrous. Pastor, you're losing me with all the names. Let me make it this way. Ezra, Brother Alford, had a revelation. We need the temple that there could be sacrifice and the word of God could be read and people's lives could be changed. But let me tell you what, he didn't serve 
to worship the temple. He says, we got to get the word in the people because it's not enough to get the people in the word. We got to get the word in the people unless they go out and go after another image and another God and end up back in captivity. Ezra had a burden to get the word into people. But do you understand because the walls had been torn down and the land had been abandoned that there were people from all over the countryside from other tribes and nations that had uh, occupied homes that were not theirs. They had come in and taken land and farms that were not theirs. And so now the land of promise unto the Jews was now occupied by many nations and many people. And having the temple alone was not enough. I was just putting the ball in the tee. Without walls, they had no reasonable expectation of protection. It's hard to bring in merchants and labor force to work and serve in the temple without walls of separation. Can I tell you this? Church without separation is no good. You can have a temple. You can have a church. But if there's no barrier between it and what everybody else is doing and what everybody else thinks is okay, there's going to be no productive change. Then came Nehemiah. Nehemiah's job description, he was a cupbearer. Now that sounds good because you get to eat first. But really, King Artaxerxes of the Medes and the Persians, the king that he served under, many times if somebody wanted to unseat the king, they would assassinate him. The number one way to assassinate was to poison the food that they would take. Hence, they needed a, a food tester. Who wants that job? Can I say walking by faith? Is it lunchtime already? I just escaped breakfast a few minutes ago, and it's time to taste his food again. Do you think that Artaxerxes saw something in Nehemiah? Somebody he could trust. Somebody who had integrity. Somebody who understood authority. And so when he heard Nehemiah's lament, he said, Nehemiah, you look downcast. What's wrong with you? He says, we've got a temple back in my land, but we have no walls. And the enemy comes in and taunts the people and, and mocks the people and is indignant to the people and affected the culture in the community. And there's no sacrifice being offered for the sins of the people, and there's no vision for the future. Artaxerxes, do you understand? I'm talking about world leader of the dynasty of the Medes and the Persians. Artaxerxes, the king, heard little Nehemiah, the cupbearer, who he saw somebody he could trust and somebody who had integrity. The king gave him the authority to go back to the land. The king gave him access to the roads. The king gave him an army to lead him. And the king says, here's a letter. Get every resource you need to rebuild it. What you talking about today? Can I tell you, long before you got in the circumstance that you're in, there's a king that's already made a way where there was no way. Long before the enemy came in against you and is mocking and taunting you and trying to talk you out of serving God, God's already given you the authority and the resources necessary. If we would just wake up and get in our right mind that God's not against us, but God 
God is for us. He don't want to hold us back. He wants to carry us over. He wants to bless you. He wants to bring you out. He wants to use you. You don't have to talk him into it. It was his idea. Now let me preach a minute. You're getting good on that. If I have to jump every time he hits that, I might be out of breath. Woo! Give me a breather. Woo! Pastor, you've said a lot. I just got to my text. Do you understand? Those who dare to work on walls are mocked, condescended to, and felt hostility. It was the original shaming. I, I literally believe Sam Ballot got on his Facebook account. And begin to mock. Tobias got over on his Twitter and put a hashtag, hate these pitiful little Jews. And begin to cause them to wilt and to think that they could not do it. You need to read when you get home, Nehemiah 2 and 17, where Nehemiah rides his wagon of resources and he's got uh, Artaxerxes' army on his right and his left and he's having to ride over rubble because they've been willing to live among a trashy city and not even take pride in cleaning it up and he couldn't even get his wagon over all the debris and they said, Nehemiah, what are you doing here? They're thinking he's bringing Artaxerxes' army to take him back into slavery. He said, the king has not come to put you back in shackles. The king has come to set you free. I've come to preach to somebody Jesus didn't come to weigh you down with labors of the law but God who is rich in mercy robed himself in flesh came to set you free can I tell you the devil can't stop this cause greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world the devil can't stop it. Some of you got family and co-workers and God forbid even people who come to church want to tell you what you can't be. And they've fallen in the trap of the devil and they call you by a label. I hadn't done an exhaustive study, but I can't find in Scripture where Satan was ever given the authority to name anything. But when God wants to do something new, he gets his book of names out. He said, I'm going to take some dirt, and I'm going to spit, and I'm going to form, and then I'm going to breathe the breath of life, and he's going to be Adam, and she's going to be it. I, I, I'm telling somebody, when he gets ready to do something new and different, he says, I know Simon is full of attitude and vinegar. He's a big fisherman, and he failed, but I'm going to give him a new name. He's no longer going to be Simon, the one of a priestly line. He's going to be Petre, a rock in the wall of the foundation of the apostolic church. 
I'm going to take a Saul who came and persecuted the church. The devil can't give you a name. He can give you a label, but he can't give you a name. But he turned Saul into Paul who turned the world upside down, which is really right side up because it was already upside down. When God wants to do something new and exciting, he'll put his name on it. Can I tell you, when you go down in a watery grave, he puts a name on you that's above every name. You're not what you used to be. You're a new creature in Jesus Christ. I don't care what they call you. If he said you're free, you're free. If he said you're delivered, you're delivered. If he says you're saved, you're saved. I don't care what they think. The devil can't stop me. The devil didn't give it to me. And the devil can't take it away. I'm out of time. Let me give you a three-point. Three-point, Pastor. I can't count that high. Don't go there. I'm going to make it quick. Number one, look at the text. Nehemiah 4, 1 through 6. Look at it in your own time. First thing that Nehemiah did is he prayed, but that word prayer doesn't really come up. If you look at it from the Hebrew, it, it literally means supplication. That's a word we don't understand. Who's ever prayed? Who's ever prayed like your house is on fire and you don't have a fire extinguisher? That ain't this kind of prayer. This is a humble prayer. You ever had to go to somebody with your hat in your hand to ask a favor? You knew you had no right to ask it, but if I come along humbly, maybe they'll listen to me and grant my petition. Nehemiah's prayer wasn't the house is on fire. Nehemiah already knew he had the favor of God. He says when it comes to these people who want to mock and be indignant and tell us what we can't do, he began to pray a prayer of supplication. That means a humble request. He says, now, God, I'm just asking. Notice he didn't pray a curse on them. He didn't say, Lord, let all their hair fall out and their kids backslide and their goat die. He didn't do that. Look at what he did. Look at what he did. The word says, put back on them what they tried to put on us. They cursed themselves. They said, we're going to hold a mirror up, and when they're looking at us criticizing, their prayer against us is going to come back on them. And God, I'm just asking one thing. I know you're a God full of mercy. Could you not blot out their sins? Let them receive what they deserve for what they did because we're the people of promise. Can I stop and preach just a minute? Do you know that the word not only tells these four individuals' names, it tells their nationality, and none of them were Jews? Can I give you an advice right here? Quit taking advice about being successful and serving God from people who are not serving God. Quit taking doctrinal advice from the water cooler conversation. Quit letting your family who's backslid tell you how to serve God. You tell them, God has saved me. God has brought me out. You can stay in the pig pen, but I'm going to move into the palace because he's got a place for me there. Told you that's gonna be quick. Number two, first one was supplication, humble request. Curse them with their own words. Don't forgive them, God. Let their own words be what come, brings them down. Number two, everybody say separation. 
That's what they were trying to do, build walls. Some people today, when I say build walls, they hear hate speech. Can I stop and preach a little bit today? The Bible says there was a woman who had two sons. They were great in debt, and they were going to drag them to debtor's prison. But the prophet said, go borrow some vessels and borrow not a few. Man, I have preached that and preached that. I just saw something the other day I've never seen before. And after they got the vessels and got them cleaned and stacked that on the floor, and they took the crews of what little oil they had, the Bible says, and shut the door. Sometimes God wants to work in your life in a way that's not for everybody else to see. God's not pouring his mercy out on the street. But if you'll come under the spout where the glory comes out, if you'll separate yourself that your joy may be filled. Let me say it this way. Jesus commanded his people to kill a little innocent lamb and roast its flesh, and take its blood, and wipe it on the doorpost outside the house, and shut the door, and eat the lamb on the inside. Many era, confusing obedience with works. The Jews did not go out and buy ammo. They did not wage war. They did not do anything to deliver themselves. If you were a tactician of war, you would have said putting blood on the doorpost is not going to set you free. But friend, it was not works that they were into. It was obedience. And when we obey God, even though it looks foolish to the world, do you realize the blood put a bullseye on their house as a believer in Jesus Christ? It was an external identification with what the Word of God said. That's salvation today. Baptism is an external work of obedience where we respond to God in faith. I know it's water, but we come up with a new name. And as long as we are in the house, we'll get full of the Lamb, which is the Holy Ghost. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's when the door is shut that we can be filled. It's when the door was we got to shut some doors. Not everybody has a voice in our spirit life. Can I chase a little rabbit? I think some marriages would be better if the door was shut. He listening to his mama. She listened to her daddy. Shut the door. Daddy, I love you, but you got no voice in my marriage. Mama, I love you, but I'm leaving and cleaving. Some things are better with the door shut. Can I get a witness? The Bible says that God poured out the wrath on humanity after Noah obeyed in building the ark. God shut the door and then the wrath of God was poured out. I'm telling you, God is wanting the church to build some walls so he can shut the... I'm going to ask a question. You're going to feel silly, but I'm going to ask a question. Anybody here ever just walk through a beautiful green pasture? Little lilies growing in the grass and trees over here and a little brook. You can hear it babbling over here. And there's a cow going over here. Just neat. And all of a sudden, right in this pasture, there's a door on its hinges with a door jam. Now, would that be odd? 
Would you expect to see a door in the midst of a pasture? By definition, the word door means an entrance point. Do you understand by deductive reasoning? I know that's asking a lot. Do you understand by deductive reasoning that if there is a door, a predicate to there being a door, there must be walls? Why does that matter? John 10 and 7 says, Jesus speaking, I am the door. I am the door. If they is a door, there must be walls. What you talking about, Pastor? We're not trying to build walls to keep people out. We want to see the walls built to keep people safe. There's too many opinions. But when we got to come in the same door, y'all are quiet in here. The Bible says it is easier for a camel to enter into the gate, the door of a city, than a rich man. Well, you preaching against having any money. No, we all going to get through the door the same way. We can't bring our stuff and think we're any better before God. It's when we humble ourselves and take everything off that we can fit through the door. Jesus is the door. No more, no less. If you want to be in the kingdom, Jesus is the thing that's going to determine who you are and who you're not. God wants walls that he can make sure everything that enters into the sanctuary of God will fit through the door my Bible says Jesus told his disciples to go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in can I give you a word? It don't matter who you were or were not. It don't matter where you've been or been not. You can be lame. You can be an outcast. Your family could have written you off a long time ago. But Jesus says, bring them in my house. There's walls, but there's a door. And if they'll get where they can fit through the door, they can come into my house and receive a name that's above every name. Their dynasty of family can be changed. Their identity, their labels can be taken off in my house. Stay with me. Down here, a couple years ago, you know you can't have smoked meat without a smoker. And so the original owner of the Slick Pig had ordered a smoke machine, a smoker. David, you was here that day, wasn't you? That thing was a hoss. And the guy delivered it all the way from Missouri, and he said, well, here it is, guys. Well, that's great, but we can't leave this big old $50,000 machine on the sidewalk. What are we going to do with it? For the Dismukes, I was looking around for a roll-up door. They weren't one. I looked at a single door. It ain't never going to fit. But we got a tape measure, and we prayed. And we pulled a double door. We had to take the sprockets off the door. They would swing all the way back. It had a little safety mechanism on the top. We had to get a little Phillips head screwdriver and take that stainless steel plate off the top. And we had to push and we had to squeeze. I think we even greased it with Crisco to make it fit through that door. Do you understand that that door determined the maximum of what we could get in there? I tell you, the less we are, the easier it is us to fit in the door. 
But when we come unto Jesus, he says, I'm the door. If somebody comes here and they want to stay in their sins, we're going to love you. But when you come into the church, you don't get a membership. You don't join it. You're born into it. If you want to be born in Christ Jesus, the old man's got to die. And out of the death of the old man, there's a new name and a new birth. God is able to born you into the church. But you got to fit through the door. It don't matter where you come from. With the door, there are walls because God don't want the world impacting what the church is. This is the church of the open door. But you got to conform your life to fit through the door. Number one, supplication. Number two, separation. We got to be separated. Am I doing okay? Boy, y'all look nervous. Do you know there is great power in a made-up mind? Philippians 2 and 5 says, talking of Jesus and what he went through and what he endured, he said, let, Paul said, let this same mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. I would that we would get the mind of Christ. It ain't about us. It's about him in us. It ain't about how great I am. It's how great he is in me. You know the power of a made-up mind that Satan came to Jesus at his lowest point uh, trying to get him to fail, trying to flip him overboard, trying to get him to test the Spirit. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus, the book of Acts says, he followed his passion. He wasn't in the wrong place at the wrong time. He ran to the cross because on his milk carton in heaven, he had your face and my face, and he left heaven and ran to the cross and gave himself a ransom that he could reconcile us that he could make a door one to sidetrack him and derail him now I'm going to say this and nobody get mad at me today all we hear about is building bridges there's some things I don't want to build a bridge to I had a, a friend broken heartedly tell me the denomination he's in, he went to one of their conventions and the leadership of that organization had chosen to, to set up display tables for people who have an alternative lifestyle. We love people. This church is for whoever wants to come in the door, but God don't want you to stay as you are and feel good about it. God wants you to come out of the world. But you don't know I was born this way or look at what I've been through. I'm here to tell you, you need to have a change of mind. Let this mind be in you that I must decrease that he might increase. I must mortify and kill the desires of the flesh that God may be elevated in me. i got to change my mind because a made-up mind. You don't believe it? Who's got free will? Everybody here's got free will. You remember when they wanted to bypass the plan of God and God's children decided to build a tower. There's much confusion about when the word says, let us go down and confound their language lest they reach into heaven. Somebody asked me very sincerely, was there like a black hole door in the sky that they could have ascended 
they, they were very serious, and I didn't laugh. I really believe what this is saying. God is saying, let's go and have pity on them and confound their language, lest they keep building for generations, going higher and higher and getting nowhere. See, see, the hand of God really was merciful. Who remembers Ruth that lost everything? Could have been bitter, but she looked at her mother-in-law, and she says, Ma, don't let me go back. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. I'm talking about a little widow that had nothing, became the queen of the people of God. Do you know how? Because she had a made-up mind. I'm not going back. I'm going forward. I'm not giving up. I'm going over. I've got my mind made up. The devil, you can't stop this. God has already given me the resources. God's given me the desire. God's given me passion. We can make it. We can do it. Come on, stand to your feet. I'm not done, but it's time to quit. Anybody ever read Isaiah? I hope so. I think that was required reading. I hope you all read it. Isaiah 50 and 7 says, you know, Isaiah was struggling. He was at a crossroads. Things wasn't going as fast or as well as he wanted them to. And the Bible says he's about to give up. But he had a revelation, Gil. He said, for the Lord God, not a God, the Lord God, will help me. I'm going to keep going for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I shall not be confounded. That, that means, guess what? That means I, I will not be embarrassed. You ever stepped out in faith and said, I, I can't do that because what if it doesn't work out? Isaiah said, I'm going to do what God's called me to do because he is, he's going to help me and I'm not going to be embarrassed. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. Therefore, I know I shall not be ashamed. What you talking about, Pastor? I'm telling you this. God is for you. All you got to do is cry out to Him. All you got to do is say, I'm willing to draw some boundaries in my life. I can't live in the world and expect to be blessed of God. You say, well, when the Lord comes back, then I'm going to get right. Revelation 22 and 11 says that we should be righteous still. We should be holy still. He's going to come in the moment of a twinkling of an eye. There's going to be no time to get right. Now's the time to get right. You don't have to wonder if God's going to accept you. God will help you. It looks like foolishness to those around you. But God has given you a call. And he's given you the resources. And the devil can't stop it. If you don't let him. See, it all depends on you. Their criticism was, are you going to take stones out of the rubble? I know I got some rubbles in here. Any rubbles in here? <clears throat> Anybody here, your life go up in flames? But the hand of God and the mercy of God reach down. And, you, you know, there's a geological theory that certain rocks that have been in a hot fire change their molecular structure they don't get softer they get harder 
Some of you have gone through a fire. The enemy meant to destroy you, but God said, let me show you what I can do in the fire. When you come up to the walls of that holy city, Jerusalem, I'm telling you, it it looks like rubble, but it's those who've been tried by fire, and God restored them and began to build up the cracks in the wall. Do you realize why Samballot and Tobias were mad? They were no longer going to get to ride free among the people of God and create doubt and suspicion. Some of you need to build some walls up on your Facebook account. Some of you need to build some walls up even in your own family. Some of you need to build some walls up with co-workers. You need to tell them, God said it, I believe it, and we're going to do it. I got a made-up mind. I turned my back on sin. That's who I used to be, but I got a new name. The devil didn't give it to and the devil can't take it away. When I pray in a heavenly language, I can talk to God, and the devil don't know what me and God are talking about. It's under the blood, and he can't drag it out. God is bringing some people out today. Say, play some music today, I'm asking you. Some of you need to make an appointment to come to this altar today. And humbly ask God. We don't breathe out curses on people. But if you got a distraction, somebody trying to talk you out of God's plan for your life, I'm asking you today to come and find a place to pray and say, God, I need you to come in and close their mouth. God, move them out of the workplace. God, let them find a new subdivision or apartment complex to live in. Today, it's, it's a time to come and draw lines in your life. Anybody here admit you got one foot in church and one foot in the world? That's a good way to get cut in half. I'm asking you today, would you come and pray that God would bring some separation? If you're not sure where to draw the lines, come and ask God. He'll show you where to draw a line today. If you're on the mountain on Sunday and in the valley on Monday. (laughs) If you want God to touch your mind. That the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. Who couldn't turn to the left or the right but he ran to the cross. (laughs) Anybody today saying. I want to have a made up mind. Anybody want to know that God is on your side. A reporter asked Abraham Lincoln. He said, do you think God is on your side in this war? He said, that doesn't matter. The most important thing is, am I on God's side? Today, are you on God's side? Are you determined to fulfill His will in your life? This altar is open today if you want to know God like never before. If you want to have the victory. If you want to close the mouth of the mockers you want to get out of that cycle of in and out and in and out. Victory, no victory, victory, no victory. I'm going to ask you today as these pray that you find yourself a place to pray and draw nigh to God.